0: Good evening. We'd like to welcome you to the evening fellowship hour coming to you from the auditorium of the Altoona Bible Church. It is our prayers always that through the service, through the singing, the special music, and of course the power of God's word in our life, that these messages and songs will encourage us and challenge us to God's honor and God's glory. At this time, Joshua is going to come to lead us the singing of hymn 435, Wonderful, Wonderful Jesus. We do want to welcome you this evening. We're going to sing
1: 435 Wonderful, Wonderful Jesus. We're going to continue our singing by singing hymn 359, Sunlight. Hymn 359. special music this morning or this evening we have uh nancy mcclellan who'll be playing the piano and she'll be playing we shall behold him Amen. Thank you for that. We shall behold him. It's your turn to sing again. We're going to go back to our hymnals, to hymn 142, Blessed Redeemer. continue our singing by uh, singing our worship song tonight, which is Be Exalted, O God. back to our hymnals to him hymn 541 only trust him scripture reading tonight i'm going to take us to colossians colossians chapter 3 in colossians chapter 3 verse 12 it says this put on therefore as the elect of god holy and beloved bowels of mercies kindness humbleness of mind meekness long-suffering forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as christ forgave you so also do ye And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And and whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. For the second special music, uh, Nancy McClellan's gonna be playing the piano again, When I Look Into Your Holiness.
0: Amen, Nancy. Thank you uh, for those beautiful numbers this evening. We shall behold him, and when I look into your holiness. Amen. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number five, Ephesians chapter number five, and I'd like to begin reading here at verse number 29. We're going to begin a new series this evening The Church, which is his body. Literally, the Church. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so important to understand this. Ephesians chapter five, beginning in verse number twenty-nine: For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord of the church. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The church, the body of Christ, the church which is his body. As I said, it's so important to understand this to understand what God is speaking upon because what you believe doctrinally affects the way you live and we want to be living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you think about it, ecclesiology, it's the study of the church. Theology is the study of God. Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit eschatology the study the doctrine of last things ecclesiology is a doctrine of the church it is about the church the body of Christ because that's what God has ordained today in the dispensation of God's grace let's first of all begin with the, the meaning of the word church and you see in parentheses that other word and that's ecclesia and that's the that's the called out ones That's the the Greek word for the word uh, church. And what you have is this specific Greek word. Now, please understand, it may be translated church or churches, plural, or it may be, and we will show you, where it is translated three times in the book of Acts in the 19th chapter, the word assembly. But this word, this specific word, occurs 115 times, and this would be in the New Testament, and it again deals with the called out ones it is it is not a reference to the people it, excuse me It's not a reference to the building it is a reference to the people it is the called out ones that's what that's what the word means it's made up of two words and it means the, the called out ones so initially this word being used and we will show you this in act chapter number 19 the word had no religious connotations It did not mean a religious gathering, but we would consider a church gathering or a gathering to honor and worship the Lord Jesus Christ or to worship God. It had no connotations that way. As I said, if you go with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter number 19, and I trust that you're following along at home, three times in Acts chapter number 19, while the city was in confusion where there's tremendous confusion why they didn't even know why they were meeting and they're yelling and screaming, great is the goddess Diana. The word ecclesia, the word that is translated church over there that we just read in Ephesians 5, is translated assembly. And you have to keep in mind the context of Acts chapter number 19. And the context is not dealing with here at this point for religious gathering. So it's talking about people, the called out ones. And if you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter number 19, verse number uh, 32. And we're going to show you, excuse me, on the screen in a moment, a picture of this theater. This is an amphitheater at Ephesus. And what happened, if you go back in the context, when you go back here to Acts chapter number 19, and beginning in verse 23 and verse 24, you're identified that there's a man named Demetrius. And Demetrius is a silversmith, and he is making these idols because there's this time now they're gathering for the worship of Diana. The temple of Diana was one of the eight uh, wonders of the ancient world, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And of course, he's upset because if people believe in God and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not going to want to buy idols, so he's dealing with his, really with money. He's really not concerned about truth. We're going to talk about this and study this out sometime here in the future in greater detail. And so then all of a sudden this group meets and they're crying out for the space of two hours and there's confusion and they don't know why they're even here. Great is the goddess Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians. And I, I believe that if you went up and down the street and asked like, as a reporter would ask, I want to ask you a question, ask random people. Do you know anything about Diana, the temple of Diana, that is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world or where was it located? I believe the average person who does not read and study his Bible has no clue today in the 21st century about Diana. But back then, Diana was was worshipped, this goddess Diana. And Demetrius was a silversmith and he was selling shrines for Diana. And so... There's this confusion. And if you drop down here to verse number 32, we read these words. And some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused. The assembly, that word assembly is the Greek word ekklesia, the church. It's translated church, but here it's the assembly. And again, it's dealing not with the building, it's dealing with the people And the issue is that they're not here to worship God. They're here because they believe their temple of Diana is being despised, and they're the greater part of these people. And look at, if you look on the screen, here is a picture of this amphitheater in Ephesus. They could seat upwards of 25,000 people, and they're there, and there's all this confusion. And they cried one thing, and the assembly was confused. And the, gr- the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. They didn't even know why they were there. They didn't even know what was going on. Here's another picture. And I've been told by an individual who has been there that you could be on the one side of the amphitheater and someone could be on the other side. And the acoustics were so magnificent. Not using microphones and modern technology that we have, but sound would travel back and forth and you could hear someone talking. And so they're, they're in confusion. And it's an issue over Diana. And then if you drop down here to verse number 38, it says, wherefore if Demetrius and the craftsmen which were with him have a matter against any man, the law is open, and there are deputies let them in plead one another. But if you inquire anything concerning the other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. There's the word again for church, ecclesia. For we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar. There's no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he had dismissed the assembly. He dismissed the church. So in verse 32 and verse 39 and 41, the word ecclesia is translated assembly. And again, that same word is used elsewhere concerning and translated the word church, the church at Ephesus, Colossae, Hierapolis, the church at Rome. And these individuals, these citizens of Ephesus, were not there they had not gathered for religious reasons they were there because some there was an uproar over diana and then the greater part of the people who were gathered in that theater and you just saw the picture of that had no clue what was going on and so the issue is and why is that significant it is significant because it shows us that the word ecclesia is not a reference to a building because at this time they didn't have what we would consider church buildings. They're not going to come on till later, because we know by reading Philemon, where where did the church meet? Where did the church of Colossae meet? It met in the home, the house of Philemon, because church buildings at this time were non-existent. It's later that they're going to come on the scene. So the issue is not the building. It's always about the people. And the word church simply means the called out ones. And then as we look and study this, the word church, the word ecclesia is not always used in a reference to what? The church, the body of of Christ. I'm going to put three verses on the screen. And these, these are not a reference. We're in Acts, look back to Acts chapter 7, verse number 38. It's not a reference to the church, the body of Christ. Is the word church used here? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Here in Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse number 37, this is Stephen's address to the Sanhedrin, to the council before he is going to be martyred, before they are going to put him uh, to death and stone him. Acts 737. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall you hear. Listen to verse 38. This is he that was in the that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles given to us. What did you just read? We just read Acts 7.38. And what do we see? The word church, the word ecclesia being used in the wilderness. And that is speaking of the nation of Israel. Now if you believe that every time the word church in the New Testament appears as a reference to the church, the body of Christ, you would then have to believe that the body of Christ began in the Old Testament and it didn't. Israel we don't have time, but you can read to give you Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, and Psalms 22, where the word is translated, the, the Hebrew word is the word congregation. Israel was considered a church in the wilderness. Why? They were a nation, but they were what? They were the called out ones. And you can see those other verses on the screen, Acts two forty seven. And we're going to talk about this, in a, Lord willing, next week. Because one part of this study that we want to look in is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it in a few moments here during this service, but it is dealing with the genesis, the starting point of the church, and why that is important to understand. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 47, we read these words, and again, here's, here's the word church. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And there are those who are going to believe that's a reference to the church, the body of Christ, and it's not. And we're going to show you in the weeks to come that on Acts chapter number two on the day of Pentecost, that is not the the beginning of the church, the body of Christ. And we need to understand that. Why? Because... We realize today, as we just read in Ephesians chapter 5, man leaves his father and mother, he cleaves to his wife, the two become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I really speak concerning what? Christ and his church. So if we look at the doctrine of ecclesiology, the study on the doctrine of the church, what is the church? We need to understand that. Because what you believe doctrinally affects the way that you're going to function as Christians today. And the other verse of scripture found in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. And a lot of people would believe that this is a reference to the church today. And again, we're going to put something on the screen in a few moments showing you that outside of Paul's epistles... Even though you see the word church, you see the the word church over where? In the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3. And there are those who will believe and tell you that those are not literal churches, they're church ages. No, they're literal churches. But what are those churches being and dealing with? It's in the future. Because the church, the body of Christ, is not in the book of Revelation Chapter Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Jonah for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Would you be shocked and surprised that that is not a reference ...to the church, the body of Christ. It's not a reference. The word church used? Yes. But Israel in the wilderness. Israel in the wilderness was considered a church... ...and also there's a New Testament aspect of that... ...by reading Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12... ...and cross-referencing it back with Psalm 22... ...where the word is the word congregation. Also, we need to understand and we acknowledge and realize... That the phrase, the church, the body of Christ, is exclusively a Pauline term, a Pauline doctrine. That is, that that phraseology is not found outside of Paul's epistles. In in fact, God, through Paul, writes 13 epistles. In 11 of the 13 epistles, God used the word church. 11 of the 13 epistles. Sometimes it's speaking of the local church. Sometimes it's dealing with the universal church, the body of Christ. The only two epistles of Paul's 13 that God does not use the word church is 2 Timothy and also in Titus. But the phrase theology, so you may see the word church. We just gave you three verses of Scripture. Acts two forty seven. Acts 7, 38, and back in Matthew 16, 18, I also mentioned Revelation chapter 2 and 3. You have the church at Ephesus and Smyrna and Thyatira and Laodicea. And that has led people to believe what? That, that this is a reference to and dealing with what? What they call church ages. And they try to say, well, this is talking about this is recorded history. The book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. It's not a historical book. It it all awaits a future fulfillment. Praise God. And you can see that by reading Revelation chapter 1. It's it's verse 1. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of John. John saw these things, but God gave him the words, and God tells John the things that you see. I want you to write them down in a book. And we have that book today. It's called the book of Revelation. And from Re- Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22, it's absolutely God's inspired words. And it's not an allegorical book. It's under- to be understood literally. And it has not a historical book. It has not been historically fulfilled. Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, has not been historically fulfilled. There are prophecies that await a future fulfillment. We're living in the dispensation of God's grace, and when the dispensation of God's grace is over, God will take up his dealings again with the nation of Israel. It's it's so important, so important to understand God's word and to rightly divide the truth of God's word so that we can live for him. We can live and we can look and study the doctrine of ecclesiology and understand about the church and understand how precious it is to God because God has ordained the church. Really, if you go back and study out the churches, Rome, he writes to the Romans, to the Corinthians, to the other churches, Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi, these other churches that receive these epistles, Galatia, Plural churches, because there was a region in what is modern-day Turkey. God ordained a church. And, and praise God for parachurch organizations today, missions that, that send out missionaries in Bible schools that are supposed to train and teach the Word of God to these individuals so they become pastors and teachers and missionaries in other aspects of full-time Christian service or committed to serving the Lord Jesus Christ in any capacity. But you realize it's, it's always the church. It was the church. When you, when you go back into the time of the Apostle Paul, it was a church. It was a church that preached the gospel. It was a church that sent out people. It was a church that established the saints. That's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to teach the whole word of God and the whole counsel of God in light of the word of God rightly divided. I want to put on the screen this quote. And if you're very familiar with the hymn, and you will see that in the second screen, in our hymn book, it's hymn 155, At Calvary. And this hymn was written by William R. Newell, who is associated with Moody Bible Institute. Also, he has written several commentaries. I know I have his commentary on the book of Romans. At Calvary, talks about and, and you look in the refrain, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. A tremendous hymn. But he said these words, and these words are so important for us to understand. You can judge any man's preaching or teaching by this Simple rule. Is he Pauline? Does his doctrine start and finish with, according to these statements of Christian doctrine uttered by the Apostle Paul, no matter how wonderful the person may be, may how the gifts that he may have and his apparent consecration, if his gospel is not Pauline, because remember, in Scripture... There's more than one gospel, not more than one way of being saved. But you see, and we're going to see this as we look at Acts chapter 2. Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And yet over in the book of Ephesians and Romans, it's salvation, justification by faith alone. If his gospel is not Pauline, it is not the gospel. And we might as well get our minds settled at once to that fact. William Newell, who wrote at Calvary in our hymn books here at the church, it's hymn 155. Look at that hymn. It's a tremendous hymn. And he understood the significance, the importance of the word of God and the doctrine that God had given in and through the apostle Paul. And that's why we wanna talk about the church. And we're gonna show you areas of, of study that we want to cover in this study. Areas of study include the Genesis. The, that, that, that is the, the starting point, the commencement of the church, the body of Christ. And someone may ask, well, why, why, why study the Genesis? The word Genesis is, is beginning. When we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we call the book of Genesis what? The book of be- beginnings. Deals with creation. Deals with God creating man. It deals with the fall of man in Genesis chapter number 3. The, the first promise of the coming Savior in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 and verse 16. So the word Genesis, Beginning. Well, we want to talk about the, the genesis, the beginning, the commencement, the starting point of the church, the body of Christ. And you might, might say, well, why, why study that? Why, why spend a couple weeks in looking at the genesis of the church? Because, as I said earlier, what you believe doctrinally affects the way you live. And we need to understand that. The so one hand represents the doctrine, the other hand repre- represents the practical, because what I believe doctrinally is the f- way I'm going to live. And so often people want to do what? They want the practical, They, they we don't want the doc- that's too doctrinal. No, no, you have to be grounded in God's word. There's a tremendous verse of scripture over in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, when he talks about the local church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, verse number 16. Let me get to it and we will read these words. The Apostle Paul in the context, if you go back to the first chapter, has left Timothy at the city of Ephesus. There's a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual war. And we are today in the 21st century, folks, what we're dealing with is a spiritual battle. COVID is more than just a physical battle, it is a spiritual battle and we better realize that and stand up for God and stand true to the word of God and stand for God's salvation and God's love and God's grace and there is comfort and there is hope. The world thinks that all, you know, between COVID and the hurricanes that are out there and the fires that are out on the West Coast, whether in California, Washington or Oregon, that things are really bad and this has got this is Catastrophic, this is like Armageddon-like. We as Christians need to understand and realize we have the truth. The truth of for people to have peace with God and for people to experience the peace of God in their lives. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. So he leaves. You go back and read the first chapter, about verses 1 to 7, you'll see that God through Paul leaves Timothy here at Ephesus. And the apostle Paul is actually going to travel over into Macedonia, and he's writing him and saying, "If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living. Again, the church, the called out ones. Not a reference in dealing with a building; it's with the people, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the of the truth. Why, why come together?" Because God tells us to. We're not not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, the writer of Hebrews tells us. We're to to come together and worship, to encourage each other. And the church is to be the pillar and the ground of the truth, not of all truth, but of the truth, God's truth. Daniel calls it what? The, the, The scripture of truth. We also know in 2 Timothy 2.15, we're to study to show ourselves approved on God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed. What? Rightly dividing the word of truth. John 17.17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation is called faithful and true and he is called the, the word of God. So we need to understand, so why the study, why are we going to, beginning, Lord willing, next week, study the Genesis, the beginning, the commencement of the church, the body of Christ, because what you believe doctrinally affects the way that you are going to live. And without the doctrine, you cannot have the practice, and if you have the practice without the doctrine, it's going to lead us incorrectly and wrong. Areas of study also include to understand the Lord Lord Jesus Christ, We're not a nation. Israel was a nation. Israel was in covenant relationship with God, the Abrahamic, the Davidic covenant, the New Covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the law. God was dealing with them as a nation. We're not a nation. We're the church, the body of Christ, and what is Christ to us? Not only is our Savior But we know Colossians chapter 1, verse number 18, he is the head over the church, the body of Christ. And then when we realize and study 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at that portion in greater detail, but go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for a moment. We're fellow members of the church. And we're not only talking of our local church, but also think of the universal church, the body of Christ. Universal believers. True, true believers now. Those who truly have believed and trusted and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel today? 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That Christ died, that he was buried and he rose again. That's the gospel. And so often people are adding things to it. That's why we say we're in a spiritual battle today. And Are you going to stand up for God and preach the true gospel? And the true gospel is that we're saved by grace alone through faith. Praise God for that, that you cannot do anything. You can't work for it. It's not through religious activities, not through a baptism. It's by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ, and God will save you and give you the gift of eternal life. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that does not have the Son of God does not have life, but the wrath of God abiding on him. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning here at verse 12, we're going to look at this portion of scripture, obviously, in greater detail in the weeks to come, but verse 12 says, for the body is one, and he's talking of our physical body, and hath many members, our physical body is one, hath many members. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And he is not speaking of the physical body of Christ during the earthly ministry. He's speaking of what? The spiritual body of Christ. The church. The church. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, and it has nothing to do with Water. That is the Holy Spirit of God a baptizing, identifying us into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. This is Romans chapter 6, Colossians 2, Ephesians 4, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, in Galatians chapter 3 as well. It's so important to understand God's truth. And then he is going to describe and talk about the body. And what is true of our physical body obviously is true of the spiritual body, the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about that we're fellow members one of another. We, we have a relationship not only with our living head, the Lord Jesus Christ, but with each other. And as we study 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to we'll understand the church, the body of Christ, the, the, the local church, universal church, made up of true believers, is not a mechanical organization and a lifeless organization it is a living organism working together we'll give you a definition of what the word organism means and understand and think about it, it's working together and it's going to follow the precepts that god has laid out in the word of god in the church the body of the lord jesus christ was a mystery it was secret. Ephesians chapter 3 clearly shows us this until it was revealed to the Apostle Paul. Why is that important? Because that goes along with what we laid out and said. Matthew 16, 18, Acts 2, 47, Acts 7. The church in the wilderness could not have been the church, the body of Christ, because Ephesians chapter 3 shows us and tells us that it was what? A mystery. It was kept secret. Where was it? It was hidden in the mind of God. We can show you that. Ephesians chapter 3 tells us. It, it was not, it's not in typology in the Old Testament. I've heard people say, and you, know, you see it in commentaries, and sometimes people say, well, here is a church in typology in the Old Testament. How could it, how could it be? It was a mystery. And we know that Satan read Scripture. He knew, he knew what Psalm number 91 says. Go, go over to Matthew 4. Lord Jesus Christ three times quotes. It is written, it is written, it is written. Where is he quoting from the book of Deuteronomy? Not only was the Lord Jesus Christ under attack and, and the issue of uh, t- trying to tempt him when he says... I know who you are, and if you are the Son of God, this is what I want you to do. And if he would have followed that, there would have been upheaval because he would have failed. But also the program of God was under attack, clearly. And Satan quotes... Or, excuse me, Satan uses Psalm number 91. He quotes some of it. He misquotes it. He adds words. He subtracts words. But he knew that Psalm number 91 was a messianic psalm, that it was a clear reference to the coming Messiah, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church, the body of Christ, was a mystery. It was kept secret until it was revealed to the Apostle Paul. And then the different aspects of the church... The different aspects of the, of the temple. We want to talk about that. The different aspects include what? The universal church. That's Ephesians chapter 2. Our, our body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the local church. The local church in Corinth was considered to be what? The, the temple of God. And we need to understand this. So we want to look at this, and there's other aspects I'm sure that we will branch off in this study as we think about ecclesiology, the study, the doctrine of the church, and understanding upon the church, because we, this is what God has ordained today in the 21st century. Go, go read your scriptures. Go, go read those epistles where he writes to the church at Rome, the, you know, the Romans, and dealing with the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, and Philippi, and Colossae, and Ephesus, and then there's other places that churches were formed, but they never received an epistle. But God, this is how God wants us to be living today. And it begins with salvation. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? It's so important to think upon this, and as we think upon COVID and with the hundreds of thousands of deaths here in our own country and what's going on worldwide, we realize again the frailty of human life, how fragile human life is and the truth of what God's word tells us through the book of James that our life is but a vapor that's here and it's gone. And if you try to compare 100 years, even if a person lived to 100 years, 101 years, or in their 90s, compare that to all eternity, it's not going to compute. Praise praise God. What is eternity? It's the Lord, It's God giving to us something we do not possess because we're walking around in a temporal body. This outward man perishes, yet the inward man is being renewed. The outward man is perishing. The outward man is dying. Where will your death take you? Where will it lead you? Absent from the body and present with the Lord, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through verse 8. We walk, verse 7, We walk by, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Or is it going to lead you to an eternal separation from God? It's your, it's your choice. Our prayer here at the church is that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. If you've never trusted him, the gospel is very clear. Romans chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. It's not of religious activity. It's not through a baptism. That cannot save you. What saves is by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted him, won't you trust him right now, right where you're at? Tell God and acknowledge that you're a sinner, that Christ came into this world, that he died for you, and that through his death, burial, and resurrection, you could be saved. Believe that, and God will save you. God will give you the gift of eternal life. And anything happens to this body, to your body, you'll be absent from this body and be present with the Lord throughout all eternity. That's what God wants. That's what our prayer here is at the Altoona Bible Church. So if you've never trusted him, won't you trust him before? It's absolutely too late because once you die, it's it's too late. You'll be ushered into eternal darkness, eternal separation from God. And for us who are Christians, continue to be praying. Be praying for not only our country, praying for each other, Pray for the opportunities. Ask God for open doors of opportunity to share this good news. Because the world thinks we're we're at end times, and folks, we're not. If they think this is bad, they need to understand the book of Revelation. We need to be praying for those open doors of opportunities to share the gospel to be that lighthouse, to be a beacon of God's love and of God's grace to a dying and a needy and a confused world. Won't you pray that prayer? Pray as believers that God would open the doors of opportunity and that we would step through those doors and share the gospel. Be not afraid. Have no fear. God is with you. May God